Hello and welcome to another Not Chilly podcast. This is it, I'm calling it. Episode 24 is the last episode of season two. We're getting pretty close to the end of the year, Christmas time is coming up. It's time to settle back for you guys out there to enjoy the episodes you might have missed in the past and enjoy your you know, family and friends and have a good new year and for me to try to catch up and actually try to get some other episodes going that's going to take a bit more time. Uh, and then I'll be back in January, probably mid-January and uh, back kicking and punching as hard as I possibly can. So, this is another short one. The last few episodes, because of everything's kind of being crunch time at this particular time of year for me, that uh, this is one of the... uh, a short episode that Josh and I threw together about MASH. And I had a feeling while listening to this and editing it that there's actually something more to talking about MASH than I thought, because everyone, you know, I had a few comments when I've mentioned that this is one of the series I want to do and, and people talk about how... Uh, you know, they, they never would want to watch MASH. It's one of those kind of old shows. And, and you know, I'm, I, I would love to convince everyone that it's an amazing show and, uh, and that to kind of persevere, especially past the first two seasons. Um, but I will say that, like, this is also a show about war. This particular podcast, I mean, this particular series. It's about how this show in particular perceives war, but it is about war. And it's about what we think about it. And we kind of dive into that a lot. And for any, if any other reason, you know, despite the fact that this might have a bunch of spoilers because it's about a show that you, but if you're not going to watch the show, then it might be worthwhile just listening to it in that kind of capacity and just kind of being like, hey, this is uh, what we think about these, you know, intense kind of conflicts and war and psychological damage in people. And yeah, which is kind of what MASH is about itself. But I'm not going to bore you with this. So I don't want to bore you with all that. I, but I do want to give a big shout out to Josh. Uh, most of the episodes consist Josh. He's been a rock through this whole show and this whole season. Um, but I also want to give a shout out to uh, you know Matt, Stu, Ian, Tom for just also being there for this particular series and help me kind of like branch out and actually make something and make something I'm really proud of and something that I want to continue. You know, I, I've always wanted to do podcasting and I never quite. Uh, like put a big effort in hence the season one being particularly uh, flimsy and all over the place so this is you know I want to just do a big shout out and you know what I want to do a shout out to the few people that do listen to this you know this is not I don't necessarily do it for the the plays and the likes and but I do really like when people you know say that they've heard it and give me some feedback and uh, or if it stimulates a conversation or if it even just makes someone smile or makes someone be a little bit more curious about a particular film, then that all that is, yeah, it's it, it makes me happier hearing about those things and makes me want to make more, uh, maybe make a bigger thing out of this. So, um, yeah, thanks again for everyone and for all the people involved. Uh, I'm going to leave you off with this episode. Enjoy, and thanks for being a part of this. Goth mode. Oh, so mean. Have to edit this tomorrow. Oh, Are there any left? Do, 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 do.
So we're doing mash. Peace on us. Peace on us. Season seven, episode two. And you were saying that this episode included your favorite moment from Margaret Houlihan. One, one of one. One of one of. Okay. But, and one of my favorite scenes in the whole. It was eleven seasons. It was good that moment that he talked about. So let's uh, quick rundown. So basically, they're they're getting the calls yet again that they are having to stay there longer and longer. Uh, what they have those obviously those point system where if you accumulate enough points, you get to get out. Yeah. Uh, get to ro- be rotated out, and they keep upping that number. Um, that coincides with the story of Margaret Houlihan who is married at this point to, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lieutenant Donald Penobscot. There you go. Um, and that relationship falls apart. Lieutenant Colonel, sorry. Deeply sorry. Uh, and that relationship falls apart because Houlihan discovers that he hasn't just, we talked about this in the podcast about MASH, um, he didn't just leave to go to San Francisco temporarily. He went there permanently by his own choice. Yeah. Uh, and which in, in its own way is... A without way, talking to her. Without talking to her about it. Her, like the his wife. Yeah. You know. Because um, he was stationed in... Uh, uh, I think he was stationed in Japan. Yeah, right. Which is a short flight. And this is a, yeah. this is a really nice episode. Cause, well, it's nice. It's one of the sad... Like last episode we watched was kind of all positive and happy... Well, this one actually kind of hits a more sadder tone, not just because of what, like, I mean, I guess the resolution of the episode is pretty positive. Yeah. You know, but the, yeah, you could argue. It's, Uh, uh, it's, it's not so much like a a good outcome as opposed to the resolution of the episode is anyway, let's keep on surviving and go through the steps. Yes. And because that's all they can do. And yeah. it's up against like the peace talks in Pan Munjong and um, how. Yeah, let's start from there. Let's start from like the beginning. You know, the peace talks is what it is. And uh, do you have any kind of like reference point when it comes to those peace talks? I assume it's not the, you know, there's probably heaps of peace talks that happened. Um, there was, there was like one in Pan Munjong that was in a tent. I know that, but I can't remember when it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that, that's where they all were. Done. That wouldn't make very much sense to me, but I don't know. I just don't know. Um, but I had lots of peace talks. I mean, yeah, of course. So, so that's, <laughs> that just um, you know, they kept being on like the verge of nuclear warfare, so they wanted to chill things out a bit. Yeah, and it's kind of like the, there's a beautiful contrast of like the the world of a soldier, or I guess a medic in this circumstance. And the world of the people controlling all the soldiers. And there's like a massive disconnect. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to just skip straight to the end because that's pretty well end, but the middle of the episode. Uh, so to take it in kind of the first beats, it's that it's that exhaustion and the pain. And I love the scene between. So it's after the, the bit where, where Potter comes in and says that it's going to be uh, we're going to be stuck around for a little bit longer. Um, and they're in that surgery situation, Winchester and Winchester complains that. You know, you have the most points out of all of us. You have the least to complain about. To and Hawkeye. To Hawkeye, that's correct. Uh, and Hawkeye's response is that I've been here the longest. I have the most to complain about. Um, what a sad story. <laughs> you know, like, what a... Uh, yeah, what a depressing and sad moment. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, th- that's... Like, this episode is one of his, like, psychological snaps. Yeah. Like, it has a more positive 
type of outcome. Yeah. Uh, but, like, if he'd taken it any further, you know, that episode could have been written very differently. Totally. But- and you, the way you described Hawkeye a long, a long while ago was, you know, that he's all, once the show started to settle in its own grooves, it's, it really is a show where Alan Alder's character, Hawkeye, is constantly on the verge of snapping. Like, he's always right there and he's medicating himself with booze and comedy. Yeah. And that's... This is a moment where... This is this is a weak moment. Could you imagine yeah. if, like, in, if like this was a real circumstance? He'd, he might have even been shot, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Because, like, you run into a pot where a bunch of generals or, like, the highest majors or whatever. I don't know what the highest ranking is. And, you know, like, barge in with, like, bloodied freaking... Uh, outfit, you know, spurting crap, like, not crap, but like important stuff, but stuff that, that they don't need to well, hear. To that, what to them is crap. Yes, that's right. Like, it would just, like, you know, you'd be taken down. That'd be the, it wouldn't be like a, hey man, it's back down. It would be like, crash tackle you to ground, put you in the briggs, <laughs> you know? So, you know, that's the, and there's that moment, like, there's such a strong, and that's kind of the beginnings of the disconnect between uh the kind of upper end of the you know, managing the war i guess and the soldiers themselves is that you know this point system is there to help people you keep upping the system you know like something's going to give you, like i understand why they it's, need to do it but it's pointless if it's not done like because right. you need to keep the soldiers there because you need as many soldiers there as possible mm. but the point is that the way that you accumulated points was through service and good service and all this Mm. you built up points over time and i think as i think i have to double check this but i'm pretty sure for like positive things Mm. um to then add on to that is just it rigs the game against you well yeah you lose hope yeah it it actually and it also redefines what a tour is like so back then so that was before the tour system that uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they would... Because the point system was World War Two. Okay. And this was, like, still... Most of what they were doing in the Korean War was based on World War II. Um, Technology-wise and tactics and mm. strategy and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the same thing. And then in Vietnam, they did the tour thing where it was like, okay, you go over for one year and then you come back. Yeah. And then we might put you on another one or you can sign up for another one or whatever. Jeez. Ah, I, I just... There's so much, like... Like, because I, I imagine that if you're a soldier and you like had the choice to go to the war, maybe let's just pretend you weren't kind of forced into it due to poverty or due to like, you know, any other reason that could be. And you decided to go to this war and you've landed and then a week in you see what they see. And then you're like, I've got to be here for a year. Holy shit. Like, what a... Have you seen Platoon? I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an amazing film. Yeah, yeah, That's Charlie Sheen's character in that. Even yeah. That's the Vietnam War. But Charlie Sheen's character in that is, is a rich oh, kid. Oh, I didn't know that. So, I, I, I obviously yeah. saw it a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. So. He's chosen to be there. Yeah. And so, he has... That's what happens in that film is oh, he's man. like, oh, I'm here to be like a Patreon good person. And everyone there is like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you know, the white... the. The rich white guys come to, you know, be with all the poor people to show just how down to earth he is. It's like, why would you choose to stand in front of bullets, you fucking idiot? Yeah, yeah, like, that's right. It's an interesting separation when, you know, before what we have now where it's like, you know, they won't send you unless you sign up. Um, like, you literally have to be wanting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it's it, it's shitty. Like, <laughs> it's it's... It would be 
awful. And so, you know, Pierce responds by... Essentially, like, he... Well, I mean, he does what he normally does. Gets, you know, hammered and, and kind of complains and makes jokes of it. But then it's that that's second appearance. But before that happens, we have Margaret Houlihan yeah. receiving the news and being very level-headed about hearing about her husband going to San Francisco for because she you know, imagines it's just a week. She's not level-headed. She's pissed off. Oh, right. The initial with before. Radar, right. Yeah, That's right. It, it's not like till later <laughs> on. And, and as we've said before, this is kind of a turning point for her as character where she went from this kind of, you know, it's, it's sad to say because it's a stereotype and it was kind of per, like per, perpetrated in this show. But this is where she kind of evolves past that stereotype where she's just a nagging woman. You know, now she's like, she becomes a strong, it's, like powerhouse of a person. I don't think like she's not a nagging woman. I mean, that's why I think it works so well is that she's not that. She's just a woman who has resigned herself to the, times and mm. has decided that she will define herself by the men she's associated with yes and right. she at no point has a true identity uh until it gets broken until her like older identity yeah snaps, until it she, finally breaks which is this point i yeah. guess yeah. which is and that's that scene of i mean that's why you know when she finds out and she storms out of the mm. thing and then she meets up you know or well, and Hawkeye simultaneously kind yeah, of finds out path. about uh, he's he's staying there for longer because he's got to have to make more points. Yeah. You know? So he's pissed off and kicking a jerry can and she kicks the same jerry can and and he's like, hey, I'm, you know, I don't have time for like whatever you're pissed off about, basically. Yeah, yeah. And she's like talking about her husband leaving her and... He breaks. Like, well, like- my, my favorite, one of my two favorite bits in that scene is one of my favorite bits. My favorite part of Alan Alder's performance in that scene mm. is the fact that he delivers two more lines about what he's thinking about. Yes. Yeah. After, yeah, yeah. after she's said, um, um, what do you mean he's gone? You know, yeah, she, she yeah. says he's gone. He's left me. And he keeps going like, it's unfair. This is unfair. And he says like, you know, he has yeah. two more lines and then he stops and he goes, what do you mean he's left you? Yeah. Yeah. And it's that it's because I love the relationship between Margaret and, and, and Pierce. And, the that is a really important moment because of where she's at and where he's at mm. and in that moment he's actually stopped and listened and has engaged yeah. his compassion despite what he is going through is a mountain of emotion yeah and he's acknowledging hers you know her mountain of emotion mm. and then they engage in a in a conversation and he says what are you going to do and she says Divorce him, that's what. And she says it like that. You know, yeah, divorce him, that's what. And then she says, divorce him and starts... Breaking down. Breaking down and crying. Mm. And this is a character who does not exhibit emotion in front of anyone. Yeah. You know, she's always strong. She's always hard. There's another episode that we'll need to do that is ties into that, where it's like uh, Margaret and the nurses is the B plot mm-hmm. where it's like her relationship with the nurses working for her and how oh, I do remember emotionally this. just that's one of my favorite episodes it's like, when like they, they start doing stuff like amongst them, themselves as friends and then she realizes they're not like they're well, not yeah. interacting with her yeah yeah they don't they don't they don't think of her as anything other than the, uh, than um 
her, their superior. Their, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And yet, because she's a woman, she's isolated from other people and has to... So, you know, and so that's that thing of, like, she makes it so that everyone is isolated around her. She pushes people away because, because that's her way of... of establishing authority yeah and then she weakens that to whoever she picks whether it be frank whether it be and it's always uh up to this point mm. it's always through the use of uh her sexuality and things yeah. that undermine her authority mm. in terms of how men see her you know so she after this point she doesn't get called hot lips very much yeah for the rest of the show you know um they use it in a to annoy her or to you know, it's it's yeah, it's an aggravant. Oh, an aggravant. It's a you know something just to irritate, something just to like push her buttons. But, yeah, but it's not her like normal and like natural name. It's- no, when earlier like particularly in seasons one, two, and three, they call her Hot Lips all yeah. the time instead of ever saying her name. Mm. And so I I think that moment is just such a massive turning point where she says that and then decides that's still a motion of passion mo- moment of passion though as we know what happens later in the episode. But the thing that's interesting is that what she says is the tipping point for Hawkeye really losing it. Yeah, that's right. Which is quite interesting because he's he's an incredibly selfish person. Mm. Um, and and yet, and he and Margaret drive each other insane. Mm. But there's this deep, deep, deep connection between the two of them that is a, based on each other's compassion professionalism, talent, mm. all of these things. They respect each other. When you cut it to the bone, they respect each other. Oh, yeah. Uh, particularly after that, you know, that... Um, anyway, yeah, they, they respect each other a lot. And so, off he goes. He, like, goes to, like... Yeah, off the wind, off... Because like, it wasn't just that they respect each other, I think, as well. Like, he... I think the line he says before he kind of, like, does his kind of snap and pull away and actually, like, jump into the car is, we're stuck here. Yeah. You know, and the, the reason why your relationship failed and why everything's wrong is because we're stuck here and yeah. we're not able to move. So I'm going to do something about it. And that's, you know, he's leading. You're him. crazy. Yeah, 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 that's right. And, and that, he is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like <that's>, it's nuts. <clears throat> and and it's, it's actually one of the least believable. The A plot in this episode is, I would say, the least believable in most of the series Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, suspension of disbelief. Yeah. But it just pulls it off because he gives in when he gets there. Yeah. Like, he doesn't. He says what he has to say, but it is futile. It is utterly meaningless. It has no effect. Well, yeah, he has that beautiful... I mean, because we can skip to that moment there where he has that beautiful moment where he just wants them to all say, was it howdy? Howdy, yeah. And and he's just like, what, no one... You can't even agree on saying that one word. One person does and it's yeah, like... can't say hi to each other. Yeah, and it's just like this profound, like, this is how... It's just, it's so inevitable. It's so, I can't... It's, ah. Uh. Yeah, and I think like, that. It's, it's one of those things where one of the desperately sad necessities of war is a disconnection between the very top and the very bottom. Mm. Because if people at the top think of the numbers as human beings, it doesn't work. And um, and yeah. war is a matter of fact. Like, mm. war is just part of our world. Mm. And that war was a justified war where they were trying to stop you know, the communist North and the Chinese from overrunning the South. Mm. And that would have been, there was enough, there was enough like war crimes and shit happening 
you know, it, yeah. it, it had to be fought. Unfortunately, from the Americans' perspective, that was about fighting communism. But even if it was just the Koreans fighting, uh, it, it, there, there, there was validity to it. There was, like, liberty was at stake. Yep. So, I think that, um, which can be demonstrated now in, like, Korea is a very well-developed, incredibly affluent country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and North Korea is a, <laughs> a fucking prison camp. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that- So sad. Yeah, and I, I think so. So from that perspective, it's like you look at it and you go, "I totally agree with you, Hawkeye." And then at the same time, if you think about it objectively, you go, "Like it's peace talks. They can only move at the speed they move at." Yeah, yeah. Because no one wants to give in. That's what war is. That's right. Well, the, yeah, it's a disagreement between two, you know, or many factions. Yeah, I think like there's some really good quotes that I'll like mash up and destroy here, but like uh, mash up. Continue. Um, the uh, yeah, the quotes. I'm trying to. Th- there's one that's sort of along the lines of like, uh, and I can't remember who said it, but it's ba- basically that um, that war is just an extension of politics. War is just the final straw when diplomacy has failed. When you can't yes. come to when you can't come to like verbal trade territory agreements, mm. then there will be war. That's that's how the world works. Yeah. That we live in. It's yeah, yeah. like the, the ultimate end of an argument. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. like that's that's what'll happen. And I think that um some people might think that's for, I don't know if they would, but maybe some people would think that's like a pro war attitude. But uh for me it's not at all it's a um i think it's just a very real well i think if you take anyone like take war out of the equation and you take any two people who come to a disagreement and you keep pushing those and and let alone come to a disagreement and and put them in a space where they can't escape and eventually that like it doesn't it's not war obviously it doesn't create a war but it creates a you know hostile very hostile environment you know, or people both give up. But if if you can't be in the same space and you can't agree, like yeah, I think I think it's just an extension of like it's to do with tribalism and mm. the fact that we're just fucking animals. To be yeah, like, and that's the other thing. I'm not agreeing with it either. Like I'm not saying I'm not pro, no, it, but it is very much it anim- just, it animalistic. It will happen. Yeah, and sometimes it's important that things are defended. Or fought against. Yeah, that's right. So, so I think like that's the interesting thing about this. Uh, yeah, this episode is you get to see the generals up there at the top, and you you you're on that on Hawkeye's side. But at the same time, it's like when I think about it, I just go like, all that you did was catharsis. It was just yes. letting out what you needed to let out. It yeah. did nothing. Yeah. Because wars. I mean, that's why that you know war machine that yeah, phrase. It's right. like that war is a machine that just fucking grinds shit up in the gears and then eventually stops mm. um at whatever outcome i don't i mean it, like obviously we're going through walls now that we don't even see like it's 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 an, i can't think of a time i'm sure there's been times of peace <laughs> but like where there hasn't been some not over this exact country like there's been plenty of countries that are in a state of peace I guess, but the, but to say that there was not some kind of war going on, like at at all points in, I don't think history. there has been. I don't. I'm not aware of a time where there hasn't been. Yeah, I could be completely conflict. wrong. You know, but it's 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 the normal state. Yeah, and and I think that um, which is sad, like obviously desperately sad, mm. and and I think that that that's what the entire as a piece of work that's what mash is as a statement. Yeah. It's like war is 
despicable and filthy and we shouldn't do it. Um, but and, it's also something that's kind of necessary and kind of happens. You know, and that's the thing that I admire about the show is that it does often give the soldiers point. That's a great thing about Potter, you mm-hmm. know, is that Potter is an army lifer and he accepts the reality of warfare. Yeah. However horrible it is. He's a truly, you know, he, he bleeds green. He's, yeah, yeah. he's a real army man. And yet he doesn't lack any of the things that make you a good person you know, mm. there's 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 that uh, there's uh, something that Eisenhower once said, where it was like, you know, only someone who hasn't been to war like could be romantic about it. Essentially, like yeah, no, any any um, no soldier, no one who has ever seen what war is like could possibly ever think that war is a good idea. Therefore, his stance on on warfare. Uh, you know, and he was an amazing leader. He his stance on warfare was this is the worst thing that can possibly happen. We should avoid it at all costs. You know, he wasn't a cowboy. Mm. I think, and that's a that's a it is it's a great thing that the that you get access to that in this show. You get mm. to see in these moments like there are people higher up that are disconnected from you, and that's that's the buzz. Like as I said in a previous podcast, like warfare is just the most unnatural, I think it was in the Jarhead one, it's like the most Mm. unnatural thing that you can possibly be put into. It is the most, it's so far beyond our comprehension. Um, And that's where these people are in for years at a time. And if you're in charge, that's where you're putting people. Mm. So it's interesting, like it is far-fetched that he gets in and he goes to these peace talks and, you know, he has a yell at all the leaders, but it's a narratively important thing. And it's, it's kind of like with... Quentin Tarantino, when he made Inglorious Bastards, the whole thing with everyone, like when they're killing Hitler in the end, he went, I, the problem, he said, that's not how the film ended originally, but the problem is that's what those characters would do. Mm. And I made them and they have to do what they do. I think it's also like audience wise, this was a cathartic experience as well. Absolutely. It's like, we don't want, the, like as a, as mash you know, enjoy the audience members. We don't want them to keep fighting this war. We don't want them to keep suffering. So, and we we're we're in the same boat with um, Hawkeye. We're like, yeah, what? Let's just talk to the people. Let's just talk to the guys who are doing peace talks and just tell them that this war shouldn't happen. Yeah, and we get to do that, and then we see the result. Yeah, there's a point of there's a point of view where you could like, and this sounds absolutely absurd, and of course it's impossible. But like, when you really think about it, why aren't wars fought? on basketball courts or in football fields. Mm. Like, why don't we all get together and go, we've put together the best sport. Or in a virtual video game. Like, yeah, just, but, but like come to an agreement that there'll be no bloodshed, but whoever wins this gets that thing. Yeah. yeah. But that's not. No, because someone will always up the ante. And people want to kill people. Yeah, that's right. Like, someone will take yeah. out one of the basketball players. That will cause uh, someone else to say you took. Oh out the no, money. I just mean like they want war. Like yeah, people yeah. are always gonna are always gonna want to it, go to war. And there's a massive industry for it. And, and there's a final cost. And you got to use them before they're, you know, outdated. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it, that's pretty cynical. But like I think it's true. It's I, so I think that there's all that type of stuff happening, and that you know it's just insane the whole thing is just fucking bonkers and yeah. you sort of sit and go why does this like why does this happen like beyond defending yourself beyond defending your country why does this ever happen it's fucking crazy yeah and it's just one of those things that a lot of time it comes down to single single personalities or factions or this that and the other and it's that thing of 
Hawkeye is at the place of going through hundreds, if not thousands of organs. Yeah. And just constantly being like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm just, Mm. I can't get the blood off. Yeah. yeah. And then he, well, I guess to loop it back in. So he has his his talk and and he kind of comes back and... And that's, I feel like, I mean, Winchester's obviously makes a big statement of like, you know, like what a horrible person I'm having to do a double shift, but everyone is coming back in, in some kind of a celebration of his madness. Yeah. Because in some way, maybe not to that extent, they all feel that same thing. And they all had that same cathartic experience because mm-hmm. someone went there and told them what's what. They, it was futile. Nothing changed. They probably all knew that. But, like, someone went there and did what they all would want to do. And most other, like, leaders of the camp would have disciplined him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All like, I mean, I guess if there was a real circumstance, he would have been disciplined. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's that, you know, they write their way out of that. So, I guess we're talking about, like, them coming back and rejoicing for his, yeah. uh, like, because they all had that kind of cathartic experience with him. And he was the only one mad enough to, to go ahead and do it. And obviously he would have, in reality, that would have never happened and he would have never come back and the military police wouldn't have come and been like, yeah, I got red hair too. Um, and that's a cool end to the thing because that was, that was a really beautiful, that was kind of the more positive end. And then it ends again because then they wake up the next day and then the helicopters come in and they're hung over and they feel like shit and, they, and they've got to keep doing it. And, and that's, that, that's one of the things I love about that show is just that it never pulls the punch. It never goes, and then it was fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's the other a way around. number of their Christmas episodes finish with ambulances arriving. And you yeah. just go, it's like, you can't have Christmas. You can't have New Year's. You can't, yeah, have, yeah. you can't have any moment. Any moment that means anything to you, the war will take it at any point. Yeah, that's right. Like, it's just that constant threat. And the fact that it's that paranoia of, I think as well, like that responsibility and Dr. God plot you know, the God complex that in characters as doctors can can have of that idea of the fact that if they're not there to do their job, people will die. Yeah. It's like, how do you ever sleep or go home? Or That's you know, right. How do, you, how do you do that when you know that if you're not there on point, people are probably going to die because mm. you're not there? So, I there's all that type of stuff that I think is really built into it. And I think uh, as the episode finishes up, it's like Margaret's sort of like, yeah, look, I'm gonna do this i'm gonna divorce him and hawkeye says let me know if you need anything yeah and it's really this is this is the turning point for the strengthening of their relationship in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and in other ways and it's also really that first step in towards this the second the third phase margaret that we have we really have sort of the desperate margaret with frank then we have a different type of desperate Margaret who's with her husband, who's desperately trying to make it work because she wants normality mm. in a situation where normality is impossible and she's chosen a person who is not the right thing for that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's earlier problems and he cheats on her. And Yeah, yeah. And now we get into this phase of, Mar- you know, the next phase is Margaret finds out who is... Who she is Trying to figure out who she is. Yeah. Trying to figure out who she is as a woman. She's trying to figure out who she is as a woman in the military. Mm. She's trying to find this identity. And there's a lot of brilliant things that follow on from it. But this is the turning point episode. And that's why it's one of my favorite, favorite scenes. Because you're not just seeing a woman in the military saying, I'm going to get divorced. You're seeing a woman in the military in 1951 or two saying, I'm going to get divorced. Yeah. Like it's... Big deal. 
It's massive. Mm. And I think that... And you see that in that scene. Sorry to interrupt, but you see that in that scene where she brings Potter into the room. Yeah. And, she, and that's one of the things I'd like to... That's probably the last major point in... Um, in the episode that we're kind of skipping back to like three quarters of the way through and her conflict and how much trauma and how like much she's struggling with the idea and how she needs someone to, to almost tell her the opposite of, or or try to give her kind of a direction, but then allow her to be able to fight because she hasn't gotten a chance to talk to her, her now ex-husband and say like, screw you. She can, but she rightfully has, as you know, she, he says, call her, call him. Mm. And her reason is basically he ran off. He call, he should call me. Yeah. And I, that to me is, it's stubborn, but it's absolutely right. Yeah. Like, she deserves better than that. That's an appalling That's right. way to treat your wife. That's right. Or uh, any an, person. Yeah. Like, but like. But yeah, wife in particular. You're, you're, that's, yeah, it's running off. And, yeah. And to. Uh, the thing that's great is that Margaret so admires and loves uh, Potter. Potter. Yeah. And Potter doesn't give her any answers after that point. He just does what he should do and what a person should do in that circumstance. He says he flags the fact that he believes in the institution of marriage and thinks that it's... He, uh, he shows his violence. Uh, violence, sorry. He shows his bias. Yeah, he he says, I think that it's like you can't throw away any marriage. You Mm. know, it has to be really well thought through. So, how do you feel about it? What do you want to do? I don't know. I don't know. What does your gut tell you? I don't know. What does your gut tell you? Tell me right now in this moment. I want to divorce him. Then that's what you do. Yeah. And that's all that you can do. Mm. Like, you can't, in a situation like that, it's... He's just trying to help her do the best thing. And the advice that he's given her is directly against what he believes in. Yeah. And so, he's well, invested. Yeah, that's right. As a friend, as well as, as, like, as a colleague and a friend, you know, like, that's what you do. You listen and you give him, despite your better interests yeah. or your personal interests, you give your perspective. Yeah. And I think that's a great scene. It's, mm. it's, it comes across as like this silly, funny scene, but I don't see it that way. Like I could see that if there was a laugh track, there'd be laughs all over it. Cause the chaos it, of the scene is where the humor comes from. Cause they're trying to get the phone call. Home. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but I think it's getting really interrupted and that's the thing, but yeah, it's a, it is just a really nice scene. Cause he, um, it's a, it's a really meaningful relationship, the relationship between the two of them. So I think that it's, yeah, it's just a great scene, but in, I'll never stop talking about how great a female character arc Margaret has. Mm. And so the fact that this is a pivotal moment where the middle of that arc begins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her, her true turning point uh, in the series. It, it's just one of the best episodes. But as with anything to do with MASH, unfortunately, if you're time poor particularly it is one of those shows that you have to watch every episode to get yeah to really appreciate it yeah that's, that's true what we're talking about we're getting that out well, of it because we've watched the seven preceding seasons mm. that bring her to that point yeah and i think that there's something to say about that it's like if someone's listening to this they yeah spoilers but i don't think the spoilers matter in this kind of show 
but hopefully listening to what we're talking about kind of makes you interested in the, the, the complexity that is the whole series yeah. and, and makes you excited to be like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And think of it as something more than like that show that was on before The Simpsons when I was a kid. Yeah, like, that's right. More often when people ask me about my favorite TV shows and when I eventually get to MASH, they always like... I hated that I show. That was like that three show. o'clock, really and when I got back from school, and yeah. it was so annoying. Yeah, and I'm like, then you haven't watched it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I might. I will say that it took me a couple of seasons to properly get like, but when I was hooked, I just couldn't stop watching. Yeah, the most I've ever yeah. cried in a show, ever. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's number two for me. Yeah, mm. number one's probably uh, when I stupidly binged um, all fifteen seasons of ER in. Oh my god! Nine weeks. Jeez, that's crazy. But on that note, we shouldn't do one about that just yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going back to ER, man. <laughs> Talk time. I did my time. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for potting again. I hope you guys enjoy this shorter episode. And yeah. Peace, Izzle, his Izzle, Wizzle. All right, whatever you that's, say. PR told me to say that's his new sign off. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Idiot. That's it, season two wrapped. Thank you so much for all the amazing support and all the people that listen, all the people that have helped. Josh Lumberg, once again, incredible, always coming through, always, you know, being there to be able to record a podcast. Uh, it's just been, it's been an awesome 24 episodes. Uh, and I'm excited for season three. Woo! Season three, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. But, um, I've, I should probably do the sign-off for the last time this year. So, stay tuned as there will be a new episode next year on the Thursdays, probably around mid-January. If you do want to keep up to date with this, don't forget to subscribe using whatever podcasting app that you're using or using Podbean, which is where this is streamed. Um, This podcast was produced and edited by me and the music was sourced from the Filmstro website. Till next year... Have a great Christmas, have a great New Year, have a great holiday. Thanks for listening.